0: Welcome to Temporary Admission. This week we're going to be joined by one of my oldest friends, artist and illustrator Georgie Stewart, to find out a little bit more about what makes a good piece of art and why illustration is, perhaps unfairly, often overlooked within the art industry. But Georgie, obviously I've known you for years now, but would you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Sure, so I'm Georgie, I'm an illustrator artist and I've probably been doing that for about four years now so yeah I started back in 2018 it kind of started when I went traveling after university I took a sketchbook with me and that's really where I got the inkling that it's what I wanted to do I got home set up a website and at that time I was just doing sort of small commissions on the side of my studies and what I was doing at the time and then I started doing markets and just sort of getting more into it. and Now I'm doing it more on a full-time basis and yeah in 2021 I got signed by my agents Illustration X and ever since then it's sort of been seems to be taking off which is great. I just had my first solo exhibition last month and at the moment I am traveling around in our camper van on the way to my first artist residency which is really exciting in Greece.
0: Oh, I keep seeing that pop up on my Instagram feed and I'm very jealous of that, I have to say. But what was it exactly that, you know, kicked off your interest in art? I know when we were younger we used to travel around galleries together and it was kind of maybe something we did as friends, but that can't have been, you know, what interested you in art in the first place. Was there something that you know you can think of specifically or a moment perhaps that really kind of made you think look I want to pursue a career as an artist and an illustrator.
1: Growing up I was always writing stories illustrating them and I think when you think about it we're all kind of illustrators when we're little and then it's just that lots of people stop when we grow up. Mm,
0: That's such an interesting way of looking at it it wouldn't even cross my mind to think of it like that but have you got any artists maybe that inspire you or or anyone kind of that you know you look to as you build your kind of career as an artist
1: there are so many but I love Rose Wiley she's a big inspiration for me she works well into her her 80s Quentin Blake of course and then as you know I'm a massive David Hockney fanatic um everything he does I just love and I think he's been so great for my confidence because I think in the past I've been there's been times when I thought oh it's not it's not thought of as as good as fine art or painting or contemporary art but his iPad drawings have really sort of elevated the status of illustration to that of fine art and when you think about it you're still kind of drawing just with your Apple pencil or whatever just into a tablet rather than onto paper so it's still the medium of drawing stays the same it's just the delivery that's been adapted. But yeah, I'd say Hockney is probably yeah my biggest source of inspiration.
0: Yeah, I guess at this point, it's just worth us clarifying that a lot of the works and illustrations that you produce, I know, with the exception of your re- most recent solo show have been on iPads. And I think that's something that people are increasingly waking up to maybe because, like you say, David Hockney has very much pioneered that and I think you know after the show at the RA people are much more used to seeing that but it definitely feels like there's a question mark over artwork that's produced on you know new mediums or using new kind of technologies that involves people reconsidering art in the more traditional format i.e you know painting on a canvas.
1: And I think it is so true Well, I started working digitally probably at the beginning of 2020 actually end of 2020 I got my iPad And it is an amazing tool. And I think basically, especially since getting signed and working with clients, it's so much easier for that kind of thing when people want changes and you can just change it around really quickly. Whereas in the past, previously, when I'd done a commission for someone, say it was like a watercolour, and then they ask, oh, can you just add this? And you sort of go, it's not really as simple as that. I can't really just change it when it's an original because either all the colors will run or something's compromised but having said that I do feel like this year I've moved away from working digitally probably since January I don't know what it is I just feel like ever since I moved home for six months to save up for this trip and I think probably after a year of looking at a screen I just was felt like a draw like I was drawn to just working with my hands again and getting more back to the artist side of things, because as I said, I kind of identify as an illustrator artist and I kind of think of it as a dual strand. And I think so often we kind of box ourselves off, whereas I think it's totally okay to, you know, have different parts of your practice that you explore. So this year for my exhibition, I was doing all paintings by hand pretty much. I did a big mural project that was like nothing I'd ever done before, a big large-scale three-wall painting. And now that I'm traveling, I'm working in my sketchbook all the time. And I think that's just something I'm really enjoying that side of things at the moment rather than working digitally. Mm,
0: I I think what's interesting for me and probably those around you as well that have known your work for a long time now is that actually how that's changed since, you know, you've gone through programs such as Sotheby's of Art, for example. And I think you've maybe, and you probably recognise this yourself, maybe become much more experimental in your work and much more confident in trying out, you know, new ideas, new materials and etc. Are you able to tell us a little bit more about your time at the Sotheby's Institute of Art?
1: I absolutely loved my time at Sotheby's, but it's actually funny because I did another MA at Camberwell in illustration the following year and the two experiences could honestly not have been more different. So at Camberwell... It was very much we arrived and it was go set yourself your own project and go do it. So I I worked on a book, which was great. But at the same time, I think when you're paying X amount for a degree, there should be loads of talks. There should be workshops. You should be learning new skills, especially in something like illustration. There should be field trips. I don't personally think it should just be all self-initiated, although saying that. There is stuff to gain from, you know, the time and space that offers you as an artist, and I did my practice did grow so much from just having that time to reflect and work and experiment. But at Sotheby's, it was very much Friday, Monday to Friday, nine to five, like a full time job. You're in the institute, you're at seminars, lectures. We'd go on so many gallery visits at the beginning. I'd say the first couple of weeks when I arrived, I thought, what am I doing here? These people, they seemed like, although they were my age, but they seemed like art professionals. And I just felt like a girl who liked art. And I was sort of thinking, I'm going to get found out. I should not be here. I remember in seminars, people would come out with these amazing, very abstract theories. And I just thought, oh gosh, like, I'm I'm out of my depth here. But they take us on these gallery visits every week. They'd assign you a random piece in the gallery and say you've got to give a 20 minute presentation to everyone on this piece and I remember the first piece I was given it was just a banister and I just thought what the am I going to talk about for 20 minutes but it's honestly the best training they can give you because it gets you to think and get gets you to think creatively as well do you remember actually i think i taught you they did teach us this thing
0: mm, i know what you're going to say here
1: it's called the eight ways of looking i think it might be a format set up by tate and it basically gives you a checklist of all different things you can discuss about a piece of art so that even if you do look at something and you're quite stuck so say it was say the piece art of art is like a yellow square with a blue triangle in it first you would say literally what you see so yellow scale with blue triangle in it then you'd say the materials that have been used and then what materials communicate so why why do you think the artist has used these particular materials for this piece and what's the effect of that um the scale so if it's really big are they trying to be threatening or a smaller piece more intimate uh the subject the mood the message and the curatorial positioning.
0: <laughs> That's always the one I remember you literally instilling into me as we'd walk around these galleries.
1: I know. But anyway, you know, I remember that. So we, I think we were on holiday, weren't we? And I was teaching you this. And we would assign each other pieces and get each other to do little talks on them. And, and it honestly is the best training because by the end, you do have a 20-minute speech.
0: It just gives you so much more confidence, I think, to actually be able to speak about a piece of artwork that you've seen and also for you to digest your own thoughts on what you even think about the artwork that you're looking at I think often if you're new to the industry and you know maybe you're not you don't go to galleries on a regular basis or you know it can often be hard for you to understand even how you feel about something so a framework like that I think is a great way for you to just digest your own thoughts as well as giving you know confidence to have conversations with others
1: exactly and i think learning that structure honestly helped me so much because often in the art world sort of a stuffiness or exclusivity is rife but it when when you're given that kind of digestible format you realize anyone can do this
0: hmm. and changing tack slightly you know you've always i think maybe you know particularly before your time at the institute of art positioned yourself as an illustrator Are you able to tell us maybe a little bit more around kind of how you decided to branch into fine or contemporary art? You know, Was that a decision you made or was it kind of more of a natural evolution?
1: Well, I think initially what drew me to illustration, as I kind of said previously, there can be an exclusivity in fine art. And I think illustration breaks down those barriers. I think it's very direct as a form of communication. It transcends time, place, language. Anyone can understand an illustration when you look at it. So that was what drew me to it. It's more inclusive and inviting. However, like I said, last year I was working on a lot of book projects, editorial illustration projects with my agency. And when I moved home, I just felt very drawn to working with my hands, maybe being surrounded by nature after sort of four years in London. I think that also had an influence on it because my exhibition was all about trees and something just felt right to me to be painting be drawing from nature outside observational work i think drawing from life is the best thing you can do as well to strengthen your practice as an artist and that's what i want to be doing this year and i'm not saying i'm done with illustration i i i'm still an illustrator and i still love to do book projects I'd love to do a children's book at some point. But right now, I'm just really enjoying drawing and painting.
0: Mm, I think that's exactly it. And you know, look at some of the most famous illustrators out there, Beatrice Potter, for example, currently on at the VNA. It just shows that you don't have to choose between being an illustrator and and you know, more contemporary artist or an artist that's worthy of being in a, a blue chip gallery, for example. Like there are middle grounds where you can forge a career being An illustrator and an artist at the same time.
1: It's not a linear path. It's not like I'm. I was an illustrator. Now I'm an artist. It's not linear. It's sort of dipping into different things. And there's also different things I want to do. Like I'd love to get into ceramics, and it and illustration and ceramics go so well together. Or I'd love to animate and learn to animate my drawings, bring them to life. There's so many different things that I've not even tapped into yet, which I think just keeps it fresh and keeps it exciting.
0: And talking of exciting, you're about to start your residency, aren't you, over in Greece? Are you able to share any more details on that yet?
1: Uh, My residency. So, yeah, when I was applying, you have to, it's quite often the case with a residency that you have to propose a project that you've never done before in your practice. And I was sort of reflecting on my body of work, thinking, what have I not done? And I realised that I, at this time anyway, which was last year, I tend to avoid the colour yellow entirely for my palette. My drawings tend to be based in sort of fusions of pinks, purples, greeny blues, all quite soft, quite calming. And I've sort of stayed away from yellow, I think, because in my mind I have a complex that it's associated with the sort of acidity and just not the vibe I'm going for in my drawings. So I proposed a project where I'll make a suite of works entirely in yellow while I'm on the residency um using the landscape the local people of the island as the subject matter but yeah all in yellow I think there's some beautiful little monasteries dotted all over the island I can't wait to just get get there and get drawing but it's in Skopelos which is an island off Greece but I didn't actually realize until until I was accepted, and then I googled Scopelos, and then I didn't realise it's the island where they film Mamma Mia, and I'm literally <laughs> obsessed with Mamma Mia, so I can't wait to get there. Which is, yeah, that's happening in two weeks' time, I think.
0: You know, it's so interesting what you say about the colour yellow, though, because I would always associate that with happiness and, um, you know, bringing a sense of light and warmth to a room. And I think I was reading something the other day actually around yellow being the colour that people are turning to after the pandemic because it's a colour that uplifts their mood and brings joy to their their kind of space and their surroundings and I think you're obviously describing yellow in a very different way which I hadn't really considered before I don't think.
1: Yeah I'm not sure why that is I think because like I said maybe my my drawings have been more about a sense of calm whereas at the moment I'm very interested in joy, optimism, curiosity and I think hopefully Well, if anything, I've got a whole colour to gain within my palette, which is just really exciting.
0: Definitely. I'll be keeping a lookout for a lot of yellow in your works now coming out of that residency. So that is very exciting. But one thing we haven't touched on, actually, and I was having a conversation with uh, someone, you know, actually, Alice our Mutual Friend the other day around what makes a good piece of art. And we were talking about, uh, I think she'd listened to another podcast or she'd kind of read something in the art newspaper around actually having a verbal reaction to a piece of artwork and that's for her and very very much to the people that she was referring to what makes a good piece of art is when you can have a verbal reaction and that signifies the intensity of that emotion that the artwork is making you feel I kind of wonder what is it with you Georgie that you feel makes a good piece of artwork
1: I think to be honest I think the bottom line is all about connection so if a painting of mine makes someone stop and think or feel in some way, then I think that is job done. And there's actually, there is a really good quote by Guston that it's the job of the artist to make us feel unknown. Or there's another one, I think it's Delacroix, that is, art is the the bridge between the soul of the artist and the viewer. And I think that is kind of what we are all trying to capture to make people stop in their tracks and think or feel in some way and I think yeah illustration in particular I think that's that beautifully because it kind of nudges us to look a bit closer and it's often about subtlety and maybe not what's not being said and yeah I think yeah connection is what it's all about but I think for me maybe not so much verbal because sometimes when you're looking at something you feel something but you can't really put your finger on it but it's it's stirring some kind of emotion in you and then in turn that sort of gets you thinking
0: that's so true actually because I hadn't thought of it in the sense that a work can actually stop you in your tracks and sometimes you know completely floor you and make you (laughs) actually completely silent and you know in many ways that shows that an artwork has really kind of really took you by surprise I guess and just because you're not making a verbal reaction there doesn't actually necessarily mean that it's not a good piece of artist or you're not reacting to it you're just internalising how you feel about the artwork but look Georgie thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today it's been really interesting speaking with you and hearing a little bit more around kind of your time at Sotheby's and how your practice has changed as as well as what to expect from your residency so thanks for chatting with us today and I'm sure many of our listeners will be very intrigued to see how you find using the colour yellow over the next few months
1: thank you so much for having me James I've loved it
0: now, that should just about conclude us for the latest episode of Temporary Emission. Now, make sure to tune in next week where we'll be sharing how you can go on your very own sculpture trail around London and see artworks by some of the world's most prominent artists. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to hit like, subscribe or follow. We really do appreciate all your feedback and everyone listening to this episode every week. Until then, stay safe, speak soon.